Yo, 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 what up, people? Welcome to the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade. I am one of the three of the hosts of this show. Happy to have you guys. Happy to have you guys listening. As always, we appreciate you. Thank you guys for supporting the last episode. Really love the sh- the really love the respect and the feedback that we're getting from you guys. You guys make a big, big difference uh, when you guys talk to us and you talk back to us. That way, it's just not a one-way conversation. We want this conversation to go both ways ways and you guys make that happen and we definitely appreciate that as i always tell you guys uh i'm not the smartest guy in the bunch here i'm definitely hanging with two people that are way smarter than me way more experienced and have a lot more knowledge than i do when it comes to the sneaker world and that's why you guys listen to the show not for me it's really for them and that's nick ingball and tiffany beers nick go ahead and tell them about yourself and where they can find hey you. nick ingball here uh works in the sneaker business for a little over a decade and uh you can find me at nick ingball n-i-c-k-e-n-g G-V-A-L-L on all platforms. You can also find me on uh, sneakerhistory.com or at sneakerhistory on all platforms. But uh, really, I'm just here to learn from Tiffany. So Tiffany, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Tiffany Beers. I've been in the sneaker world for over a decade. And you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Tiffany Beers, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-B-E-E-R-S. And uh, clearly, I'm in a hotel today, so... (laughs) you know the cool thing about about this show is how humble you two play it i really appreciate you guys like not trying to embarrass me not trying to embarrass me and and play it really humble like oh yeah we're just people that have been in the sneaker industry and we do cool stuff really uh i'll be honest with you guys these people are way more important than they put on but i i appreciate you guys not you know making me feel like the small man here and i i I do appreciate that all right with that being said let's get right into the show and first thing is something that uh i am all over i don't know if you guys know this but i'm a big fan of anything that has to do with space i want to go into space i want to be on a rocket i want to go to mars i want to travel at light speed i want to investigate black holes so anything that has to do with nasa i'm all for it especially when it comes to sneakers and it looks like mercer amsterdam is actually doing a collaboration with nasa and there's only going to be 96 pairs of this sneaker so i am super duper pumped about these i don't know if i'll ever be able to get my hands on a pair um, it's not like they're the dopest sneakers in the world, but it's just the fact that they're literally working with NASA is really all that it takes for me to get behind it. I don't know about you two, but I'm like a super space nerd from sci-fi to actually thinking that one day I'll actually be able to go into space. That's that's where I am with this. So uh, I don't know about you two, but I'm all for this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. You know, like... Uh, there's been a there's been a definite um you know generation gap in like the energy around nasa and space and all that stuff but you know i think in the last you know two to three years it's been kind of crazy to see all the excitement around it obviously like you know what was it just maybe a week or two ago right like they announced that uh you know one of the one of the first people to travel around the moon as a uh what would you call it? Like as a as a guest on one of the uh, SpaceX flights is is going to happen in the next two to three years or whatever it is. So, um, yeah. I, I think I find the the NASA stuff even more fascinating because it's not just a a space travel thing. It's not just a um, you know a 
an advancing, you know, for uh, like advancement for humanity, like it was, you know, way back when. It's become a fashion. It's become right. such a fashion statement, right? Like this, you know, yeah. and for a company like Mercer to partner with NASA to create like a real shoe, it 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 reminds me of like the you know the apple shoes in the 80s or some of the other brands you know i think like burger king had their own shoes in the 80s and it's just a really cool thing to see for me to to see like somebody take you know especially mercer being like kind of making their own shoes and and you know bringing in nasa to do something really special and really limited and like like you said i i think it's awesome that it's super limited but definitely kind of a bummer because you you probably never get your hands on a pair (laughs) I, you know, I gotta say, my favorite movie of all time right now is The Martian. Like, we're gonna science the shit out of this, right? Like, I love Matt Damon. Like, if if I knew, no, I can't, I I wouldn't go up. I don't wanna go to space. It terrifies me. Like, the whole thing terrifies me. So, no boats, no space for me. But I do have a friend that works at NASA, Mary. I went to college with her and played volleyball. And she's actually a flight director there, which I don't know what that means since they're not, like, sending people into space. But I think it's badass. And um, I love all the actual space stuff they're doing. Uh, I think it's super rad. And I think people will learn a ton about it. Like, I like sci-fi books, too, um, about space. Like, there's one about living on, on the moon. Uh, and like a colony, I can't remember the name of the book, but um, it was fantastic too. So uh, I like to fantasize about space, but not. I'm not. I'm not going. Nope. No way. <laughs> not going. If they need nope. me, I ain't going. Oh. Unless you can knock me out for the ride, like knock me out until we get there or oh. something. Oh man, I'm so I'm so excited by the just the thought of going to space just blows me away. And like I know the danger, and I know how incredibly incredibly small my chances of living are by going into space but there's just something about being out just outside of the earth and being able to just like to see and be to explore and to go places where no one has ever gone before and i'll probably be killed by some (laughs) alien bacteria or something like that but i like i don't even care i'm just like so about just going out into spacing and being a part of that and experiencing that from a personal point of view um and but i was i was thinking about this and i feel like nasa has had such an impact on the sneaker world as well like a lot of stuff is inspired by space i remember a couple of years ago when the space stuff was like i mean the sneaker stuff was way out of control especially with nike basketball for all-star they had the um the it was when it was in houston i think it was in houston i was in florida it was yeah, Houston, Houston. I think yep. when they did like the galaxy, yeah. the galaxy, all the galaxy colorways and all that stuff, and like that's all inspired by space and by sneakers. And so, like for me, that was just like the perfect pairing of sneakers and NASA, or in that situation, space, but not NASA exactly for me. So I'm all for it. I would love to get a pair. Uh, this says they'll be sold on their website in the pop up store in Amsterdam, and I'm obviously not going to Amsterdam to get myself a pair. But I really wish there was a way I could get my hands on a pair. Although I'm definitely not going to play resale. So uh, if you're a reseller out there and you're listening to this show, the answer is no. So don't even email me. <laughs> don't even don't even shoot off that email because it is not going to happen. I promise you that right now. I mean, I'm just I just love it. I'm just really excited about it. And like thinking about that makes me think of like the Tom Sachs Mars Yard, like that kind of stuff. Like all just kind of 
comes together for me when it comes to sneakers, but maybe that's just me. And then you like even like the Reebok Alien shoes from Alien that um, Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. wore, like all this stuff. I don't know. Okay, all right, I'm being a nerd <laughs> now, uh, so I'll leave. Uh, I'll leave. I'll leave that alone. And uh, switching over to uh, obviously basketball, since we were talking about basketball earlier, um, there is a story out about J.R. Smith and his tattoos. So for those that don't know. J.R. Smith got a supreme tattoo on his leg, right? It's on the back of his yeah. leg. It's, it's, is it his thigh or his, or his calf, like his calf muscle? His calf. Yeah, like his calf muscle. And there is a story now that the NBA is actually going to force him to cover it up during the games. Now, we talked about this a little bit before the show started. Nick was talking about it. Um, and I, I kind of have some mixed feelings about it. And Nick, you brought up some really good points about Shaq and the Jumpman logo and stuff like that. So let's just kind of go back over that so we have that. Yeah, so I, I, my the one thing that comes to mind, you know, specifically is uh, Marcin Gortat, you know, had a Jumpman logo uh, on his, uh, I think on his calf, uh, probably maybe like four or five years ago or something. And he had a deal with Reebok at the time, and then Reebok asked him to cover, cover the logo. Uh, and then... You know, eventually, like he left Reebok, and that kind of became like a, a a thing for him to wear Jordans. Obviously, having the Jumpman logo on, <laughs> right above his shoes. Right. But I I, yeah. I seem to remember like Shaq having either that that logo that is kind of uh, you know his dunk man, so to speak, and that being you know his Shaq brand. Um, but I know for sure he had the Superman logo, which is was was a part of his Shaq brand back in the you know early '90s. Um, but I feel like there's probably even more players with tattoos. Like you know when we were looking through this a little bit, you see that J.R. Smith has a Jumpman logo tattooed on the middle of his chest, and I think it's really weird to me that the league would say, "No, that logo's not cool," but these other logos have been okay in the past, right? Like. Gortat's played with a Jumpman logo. And I get that, you know, that brand yeah. is connected to the NBA loosely, but there's never been an official partnership between Jordan brand and the NBA, right? Like, that's always been, like, even until recently. Like, this is back when, when Nike wasn't the brand making the jerseys even. So, right. so this is just a really weird thing and a weird, weird timing to me because... Why now, right? Is it just because it's J.R. Smith and, you know, he's the one that's going to get all this attention from it and you can't handle that as as the league? Or, you know, I just feel like the league itself made huge steps in not, you know, stepping into people's, you know, lives with the dress codes and the tattoo stuff. You know, they, they, they went so far in the 90s, the late 90s with, you know, Allen Iverson and making all these guys wear suits when clearly they're not people that want to wear suits and this seems like a misstep by the league to me compared to the way you know they've been going especially with you know like the changes in the footwear dress code right like it seems like things are getting more laxed where this just doesn't seem to make sense to me so i guess from from my perspective I, i imagine the league would do something like this because the tattoo is so obvious um, I know like other people have tattoos and but this one is just like blatantly like big if that makes any sense if it was like something smaller where you didn't really notice it like if a player was playing and you couldn't tell what it was like the Jumpman logo like on Gortat it's there but it's not like 
oh, that's a jump. If he's running up and down the court, you're not going to be like, oh, that's a jump man logo. You kind of got to get a closer view of it to really see it. And but but this is just like supreme is like huge on the back of his calf. It goes all the way down his leg. Like it's 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 pretty big. And I would think that that's the reason why the NBA would say something about it and have him cover it up. I think it just it goes it goes over like an artistic, I think, kind of thing or like uh, inspiration sort of thing. It's to the point where I feel like it's blatant advertising, if that makes any sense. But, I mean, even if it is, why do they care? I mean, this person got a tattoo, so they went through all the pain of that, and that is a big tattoo. Even if they got paid for it, who cares? Like, why does the NBA care? This person is going to live with this for the rest of their (laughs) lives on their skin. Like, who cares? Do what you want to do. I mean, I get, I draw a line at, you know, foul stuff and and things like that, but I don't understand why they care. I mean, especially if he has it on his skin. Now, fake tattoos, you know, uh, I know one of the articles mentioned, you know, like a fake tattoo of some branding. Yeah, that, I agree that that probably shouldn't be done, but like, if you want a big Mm -hmm. tattoo like that, that's real, and you endured that, like, have at it. Go for it. I hope you really like that brand. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the, yeah, see, I think that's the the funny part. It's just like it just seems like they're very selective about it, you know. And I totally agree. This looks like a crazy advertisement, right? But they the reason you know the reason in that ESPN article basically says that it's the the rule basically says no displaying any commercial logos or corporate insignia on their bodies or in their hair. And you know, looking back, like you obviously have um, other places. Like I, I I'm pretty sure uh, Anthony Mason for the Knicks used to have a Yankees logo in his hair at times. And like clearly you're just picking and choosing what corporate logos or what, you know, corporate commercial insignia or whatever is, is okay. And what's not right. Um, because that to me is just as obvious, if not more obvious, you're not going to see J.R. Smith's legs near as much as you're going to see some, a player's, you know, a logo cut in a player's head right above their face, you know, or in their hair right above their face, rather. But I don't know. I mean, I, 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 do, I do agree with you. You know, this seems really over the top compared to a lot of the other stuff that, that we've seen with this. So Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I don't want to say that the NBA is picking and choosing, but I feel like it, if, it, if, if it doesn't feel like it's a, a – I don't know. If, if it doesn't feel like real, if it feels like it's a – Again, I guess if it feels like it's an advertisement, like like Iman Shumpert when he did it, when he put the Adidas inside of his hair, it you didn't feel like it was genuine. I guess I don't know. I don't want to say that J.R. Smith isn't genuine with getting a Supreme tattoo, but it just I don't know. It just feels like you know what I think. And I, I guess I think what, this is going to be really interesting down the road, though, because you know how we talked about players kind of having their own stuff aligned now you know with the power of social media you know you look at like uh big baller brand or something i wouldn't be surprised if those guys have big baller brand tattoos right and that's the future of a lot of these athletes you know kind of creating their own way creating their own brand or you know like like we talked about specifically creating their own personal logo and you know before they get into the league and taking that to a Nike or, or Adidas or Reebok or whomever and 
saying this is my logo you guys work with this to incorporate it in the products that we're going to make together um i don't know it's it's just really interesting but i mean it's some yeah, level it's... of brand loyalty to want to tattoo your body with their logo so yeah i mean so what like that great great on that brand for building that level of loyalty i mean i don't have tattoos and it's because i could never commit to something strong enough that i want it written on my body and you know i'm not a fan of needles so there no space no boats no needles <laughs> no space no boats and no needles that's that that's good not not mad at that at all that that's actually really good not not mad at that at all um uh, but yeah i do i do wonder um yeah what sparked all of that i don't know i don't know but just supreme i just feel like that's such a hype beast sort of thing that's happening so i mean he he was he he was you know a part of their advertising for the nba collaboration last year you know he was he was their you know kind of official photo you know model or whatever and and he's been seen in that stuff for years so it's not really a surprise to me like i think it it seems natural for him uh but you know for someone to have that big of a logo of anything is, is still a little crazy yeah i mean is it like is it about the money though like so okay so let's play this out so say supreme gave him a million dollars to get that giant tattoo on his leg you know like one are are you willing to do that like are they worried that this is going to be a bad influence for you know young kids who look up to these basketball players you know like i I just have so many questions about that that i think the nba shouldn't be worried about um, on some level, you know, they've got kind of bigger issues to kind of tackle and, and, you know, be concerned about. And, you know, we talked about this with Colin Kaepernick, like athletes have a voice in social change these days. So how is this different? Like, this is the way he wants to express himself, even if he was paid for it. This is what he's choosing to do. So why does the NBA get to have a say on that? I say, but shouldn't shouldn't the NBA have a say on what's being advertised during the games? But you're talking about body, ad, like it's physically part of his body now. Um, I think that's a different level to me. I mean, if you want to use your body for advertisement, there's a whole level of different questions. I think I have for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I no, I I don't think they I don't think yeah. they should care. You know, they pay a lot of money to get sponsorships. If they want tattoo sponsorships, if they want an NBA logo on all players, they could probably do that. Yeah. You know, they could probably force them all to get an NBA logo or a tattoo. So, I mean, mm. I don't know. All right. All right. I'll leave I'll leave this one up in the air, uh, audience. If you're listening, let us know. Uh, should the NBA be concerned about J.R. Smith's supreme tattoo? Is it okay uh, that he wears that in a game? Or should he cover it up? Let us know what you guys think. Make sure you tweet us at Outside Pods or hit Tiffany up or hit Nick up or hit me up directly and let us know what you think. I I, I, I don't think we're actually going to get a solution to this one. I don't think we're all going to agree I mean, on this one. Uh, I definitely think it's something that, that should be discussed. For t- for, you know, in Tif- or, Tiffany's example, they us. definitely got their money's worth regardless of whether he's got to cover it up during games or not, right? Because it's all over everywhere. Yeah. And it's yeah. going to be yeah. talked about every yeah. time you see it. So, 
Yeah, or, I think that's called earned media <laughs> yeah. is what they call that. <laughs> or tell us how much uh, Supreme would have to sponsor you to get a giant tattoo like that. How much money would it take for to yeah, really get go. that tattoo? There you yep. go. That's a good question for the audience. What what would Supreme have to pay you in order for you to get a Supreme <laughs> tattoo? Let's say on the back of your calf. Let's like JR. Let's spin this. What would Jacques have to pay you <laughs> to get Cousteau on oh. the back of your calf? <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough money in the world. I'm probably sure. I'm probably sure. Uh, but keep, but keep it with the NBA. Um, Kanye, Kanye's basketball shoes potentially could get banned by the NBA. And uh, really, it's not what you think. It's not because the shoes were made by Kanye. It's because some of the materials that are on the shoe apparently. According to uh, our good buddy Nick DePaula over at ESPN, the the NBA does not allow reflective materials to be on basketball shoes that you play in on the court because they can be distracting. And based on the images that we have seen so far of Kanye's basketball shoe, it looks like they have 3M on them, which is obviously something that's reflective or reflects light in a certain kind of way. And so those would not be allowed. So I know a lot of the story is Kanye's shoes are being banned and it's really not about Kanye at all but more about the materials that Kanye is using on the shoe now uh, Tiffany I'm going to ask you this if I don't know if you know this but do you know about any of these rules from working at Nike no no I do not no okay yeah I know that there are certain rules and that the shoes have to be delivered early before like the season starts and like before the first half of the season in order for them to be approved but um, I, I didn't know that there was a reflective material clause in there that would prevent the players from doing that. But I, I imagine it makes sense because they don't want something that's distracting, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it comes down to, like, if there's a... Like, is the, you're not allowed to use flash lenses, though, at the games, right? So I was just thinking, though, if, right. if, a, if a photographer had a pretty big flash, there's a chance that, yeah, it could... It could reflect off that, hit a player in the eye, and they lose track of the ball, right? But since you're not allowed to use flash, right. I I don't know. This was a little surprising to me. I mean, I, I understand it, and I think what they're trying to do is per- protect kind of the, the boundary of what's allowed and what's not, just to make sure that nothing impacts the players and their, their gameplay. Um, but I think this is a little bit outrageous, just a little bit. Yeah, it's... I mean, this is kind of a a common thing, I think, with with a lot of shoes. You know, we probably don't hear about a lot of them, but uh, even in the ESPN article, Nick talks about how the Carmelo Anthony M10 from Jordan, the initial versions came with chrome heel, and and, and, and that had to be changed to have, like, a matte finish, you know, for for him to wear in the games. I, I I think, you know, also interesting thing about this whole buzz is that it it's it's buzz you know like this is the way this is kind of what kicked off like the jordan brand you know jordans in in, you know their whole story of the band you know band ones or whatever um like the nike or ship being banned really is what happened and then the, the the jordan one you know black and reds or whatever became you know like the story of being banned it was more marketing you know value than even just him wearing the shoes on court really and i think this has happened you know multiple times like i remember um 
you know, APL, Athletic Propulsion Labs, right? They did, like, the, the yeah. bounce cushioning or whatever, like, their, you know, supposed springs in the yeah. shoes. And that, they got banned by the NBA, which basically kicked them off and, like, started, you know, helped them grow that brand. You know, it's it's still a fairly successful brand. It's not as uh, sneakerhead-focused as it once was, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely successful. You can, you can get it in a lot of places where, you know, with, without that, yeah. without that, like, you know, buzz of the shoe being banned by the NBA, I don't know that they would have, you know, kind of reached the levels that they reached, or at least not have reached them in, in such a short amount of time. But I, I, I'm, you know, and this is just one shoe that we've seen too. So they will definitely make easy basketball shoes for, you know, players in the league to wear that. Yeah, no yeah, question yeah. about that. So it makes me wonder if yeah. um, J.R. Smith's tattoo is reflective. Maybe that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> they use a metallic ink. Yeah. Uh, look, looking at some of the articles about this, it says the NBA's official footwear policy states that shoes containing flashing lights or similar types of adornments, examples metallic or reflective, are not considered appropriate basketball footwear so it, it it's really honestly this has nothing to do with kanye west even though kanye west is the main headline on this story it really honestly has nothing to do with him adidas could have made these shoes on their own or nike could have made these shoes or reebok or anybody anta for all we know could have made these shoes as if they have this sort of 3m or reflective sort of uh, a property to them they would be going through the same issues so uh, it's a bit of a like a non-story story like it has nothing to do with Kanye but people are just throwing Kanye's name out there just because they know that it gets headlines um, and that people are going to click on it and maybe that's why we use this story but you know <laughs> it's the pot calling the kettle black here people um, <laughs> but I totally get it I totally get it and it makes sense for the NBA like my thought is like if somebody's shooting a free throw and you have like reflective stuff on your shoes and you kind of like reflect the the light into someone's eyes or they're shooting a free throw at the end of the game that could win the game like that's a big deal that makes sense you could probably start a fire too it. you know little yeah. magnifying glass <laughs> the right light yeah right light i'm just saying i'm saying i've seen enough saturday morning cartoons to know that this stuff happens <laughs> so i'm not ruling it out i'm not ruling it out at all um but switching to a, a bit of a different story. Um, now, I, I wasn't familiar with this individual, um, but both Tiffany and Nick are. Uh, there's a gentleman named Sandy Bodicker. I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. And he happened to pass away. And although that name may not seem familiar to, to, to a lot of you guys and myself in particular, um, from what I understand, he does have a long history in the sneaker world and helped put together some of... I would say the biggest moments in the sneaker world over the last what ten to fifteen years would that be accurate? Yeah, I would say even going even back further. further back, yeah, going further back. Yeah. Oh, further yeah, back. Yeah. So, wow. so a lot of what I would say his impact was, you know, in what like the tr- typical sneakerhead would know would be the early Nike SB stuff. Uh, it wasn't necessarily even Nike SB at that time. But he's the he's the guy on the Nike side of things that made stuff like the Flom, you know, the for the lover money Futura dunk happen. That shoe was like a crazy, you know, I mean, it's probably one of the most valuable shoes out there. He was behind shoes like the uh, eBay dunks that you know were cut up the charity, all that, the whole story. If you're familiar with that, just Google it, you'll find it. Um, 
and 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 more so like just the thought of bringing in other people to you know kind of work with nike as this massive you know corporation right like that's that's a very unique thing and he was doing that in the early late 90s early 2000s when you know nowadays collaborations happen everywhere across every type of you know everything and back then it was just it, it wasn't a thing and you know you, you could even say that he potentially even started that whole trend of brands seeking more uh more connected uh companies in, individuals or, or companies you know to the culture to bring that to you know this big corporate level um but it's definitely you know i know i know he'd been battling cancer for a few years and um but it's just a sad, sad to lose somebody that that had really such a big impact on on you know the whole big picture of what sneakers is Absolutely. I mean, he was at Nike for about 36 years. I think he started in like 82. I mean, so he was definitely a legend, um, like really, you know, on the edge of everything and, and really challenging the brand. He even ran football for a while, soccer business, you know, so... Um, definitely a sad, sad day. Um, my thoughts and prayers go out to the family and everybody at Nike, um, who, uh, is missing him and thinking about, um, thinking about them at this point. And, you know, most recently he worked on the Breaking Two project, which was Nike's attempt to break the two hour marathon. And, um, you know, that amazing project you know i i uh definitely feel for the folks at nike uh over this kind of sad time yeah it's i mean obviously he had a huge impact and like it i'm shocked that i i I wasn't familiar with him as much as i love sneakers and it really goes to show how big the world of sneakers really is and that there's lots of different parts of the world but um, I was looking over the Instagram account for Nike SB, and um, in their description, they say some joked SB stood for Sandy Boddicker. The truth is, SB wouldn't be here without Sandy. Um, so, it, like the Nike SB account is like full on saying, like, "Look, yo, we know we've done a lot over the years, but we wouldn't be where we are without Sandy." And that's a big thing to say. So, um, if you if you are a fan of Nike SB. Um, just know that that someone has just passed that had a big part of that world and that helped really build the Nike SB world. So um, obviously uh, prayers for his family and, you know, our condolences to his family and, you know, God's grace on them to give them peace through this difficult time. I'm sure it's a terrible time. And for his friends and family at Nike, you know, the same goes to you guys. I definitely want to uh, send our condolences and, you know, and our prayers for you guys. So it's a big, big deal. Yeah. All right. With that being said, uh, moving on to um, something that I that I think is actually pretty cool. I love seeing bigger brands kind of step into the gap and do things for for the less privileged. And it looks like um, Imagine Dragons, um, Zappos, and Superega, Superga, Superga, I guess that is, teamed up on shoes that support kids with cancer. So they're they're allowing. Are the kids designing these shoes? I'm looking here. To, to get a better idea of what's going on, but I know it's like the Superga is a is a brand, and they have the design these shoes that have these designs from uh, looks like Imagine Dragons album cover artist Tim Cantor is supporting the, uh, the foundation's mission to help families both financially and emotionally that have found themselves dealing with pediatric cancer, and they're releasing these shoes for for those people, which I think is really awesome. Um, a lot of times 
sneakers seems like it's like the greedy thing or shoes it's always like a, a personal thing and it always seems like you're just getting something for yourself but seeing um something like this happen that's supporting others i think is really really dope yeah i think i, I think i agree 100 percent. i think it's awesome to see you know things that aren't traditionally you know what what like us sneakerheads think of as you know the the cool things or the you know even you know the like that type of you know even imagine dragons musically doesn't fit into what is traditional sneakers in the in the you know that sense right right and superga is obviously not one of the brands that a lot of sneakerheads are you know probably even familiar with but i think that that's kind of where i i really love these types of things because they bring new energy, new people, new thoughts, and, you know, just new opportunities to do something good for other people in the world. Just, you know, and and sneakers just happens to be at the kind of centerpiece of that. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked for these. I'm actually probably going to get a pair. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I, I love uh, just just looking outside of, you know, traditional means and using something like sneakers, which obviously is a touch point for the culture and a touch point for someone like me and uh, making it into something a little bit bigger. So that's awesome. So if you want to check those out, uh, it's part of the Tyler Robinson Foundation. They're the one doing it. The shoes are going to sell for 80 bucks and they are available. I think they're available. Oh, actually, they're actually available yeah. right now over on uh, zappos.com uh, for 80 bucks. And um, I'll be totally honest. I know most of you probably never <laughs> shop for sneakers on Zappos. Uh, they don't generally carry like the hype stuff, but they do carry a ton of tennis shoes. Um, so if that's something that you're you're into or if there's someone in your family that's into something like that, it's definitely something I would say I would look into. Um, now, with that being said, here's a story that I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, it's about counterfeit sneakers. It's it's both fascinating and I would say frustrating at the same time. Uh, the folks over at High Snobiety did a story on a man named David who is being called basically the king of counterfeit sneakers or I guess I shouldn't say so here, here's another thing there's counterfeit sneakers and then there are replica sneakers and David I guess walks that line um, he um, there's there's a, the story talks about him being the king of counterfeits and it basically it started with Yeezys and creating Yeezys and basically making 11 versions of the Yeezys to make sure that he got it right so that people couldn't tell the difference which is just amazing to me um, I always knew that the replica or counterfeit market for sneakers was huge but it looks like it's even bigger than I ever expected it could be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this the the most interesting thing about this whole story is that not that he. I mean, it, obviously, you know, refining something that many times is basically like you're making the actual product anyway, right? It might even be more, you know, more detailed than the actual product for a lot of manufacturers. But the fact that he's kind of spinning this whole you know, selling of fakes into um, creating his own sneakers now. And, and you know, I, I mean, it's just fascinating. And I think that, you know, it's not a surprise to me that this kind of stuff happens because at the end of the day, you know, 
you might you might not be you might be against counterfeit shoes, fake shoes, whatever you want to call them, but someone like this obviously is passionate about shoes, and for them to 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 get to a point of creating their own thing in a legitimate way is not doesn't seem that far fetched, right? I think you know you could look back at like sneaker blogs back in you know the the mid two thousands, and a lot of the a lot of what we know as blogs today, not a lot, but a handful of what we know as blogs today, um, and even some that are gone, were sites that just sold, you know, counterfeit shoes and, and you know, like SpongeBob Jordans yeah. and stuff like that. And, it, you know, depending on where you fall on, like, you know, that kind of, um, you know, integrity scale or morality scale, the people behind it eventually, for, for a lot of those pieces places made turned it into great opportunity and and provided opportunity for other people to get involved in the sneaker business so it's kind of one of those things where you know it's like i i i don't really know how i feel about it i obviously don't want to see people making fakes of any shoe it just is you know frustrating on every level to you know it's why we have all these sites that that authenticate shoes now it just seems like it just seems very weird, right? Like, but at the same time, yeah. you know, looking at the shoe that they're kind of looking uh, to make or making now, it's pretty wild. It's a little out there. And I think that that kind of stuff is, you know, probably a good thing for the business as a whole. I think it, it's, um, you know, it reminds me of a quote I once heard by Oscar Wilde. Uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't remember that mediocrity part, but I think how we learn, right, is by replicating. Like, right, everything we've learned is from seeing someone else do it or try to remake something that we've seen done. So I think it's fascinating that this is how he decided to learn shoes and is launching his brand. I don't like that he sold the replicas. I don't like any part of that, but it's fascinating to me that he found it more valuable to start his own brand versus just being in the replica business because you can make tons of money there, right? I, I almost guarantee he can make more money off of replicating and selling fakes than he can with his own brand. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be more challenging for him to sell his own shoes. Yeah. I think Hmm. this is a very interesting story from that respect. I mean, I learned to make shoes by replicating, right? My One of my first big shoe projects was the Nike Mag, and my whole job was to remake the shoe from the 80s. And um, it's super fascinating, right? So I, I remade the prototypes that were movie props, right? And I had to learn how they made it. I had to figure out what was important about it to replicate that and get the same look and the same materials and everything like that. Like it, it definitely teaches you a ton. And same thing I remember going through shoe school and teaching other people how to make shoes. Like you teach them an easy shoe to make and they would remake it, you know, and then they would add their own flavor of color or material or something. But um, right. yeah, the whole idea of replicating is actually how humans more or less learn at least on this planet. I don't know about in space. We can talk about that. That might be different. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's do I'm 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 happy to go there if you need if you need someone to test out the theories. Uh, but you know, the the interesting thing about the story is you read into the story, 
you read about the mayor in one of the cities where they make a lot of footwear for for Western culture, um, arguing that, uh, and, and he looks like he argued in a congressional session that the era of creating our own brand has arrived. Basically, saying that just having shoes just being made in China is no longer enough, and that those people that are making the shoes for Western culture should start making their own shoes now, which is.、Um, I, I, I mean, you have to kind of applaud him for that, and you know, starting really creating your own lane instead of being there and creating something for someone else, having the country to kind of carve their own lane and make sneakers their own sneakers, really, which I think is pretty awesome. And to see David taking that route,、um, I have to have to agree with you guys. It's pretty awesome. It sucks that. He sold replicas and like made his fortunes off of off of replicas, but it is a way that you learn. I, you know, as a video guy, I watch movies and try to reproduce what I see in the movies, from how they cut the movie to how the sound sounds, to how the music plays, how the music conveys emotion. Like all of those things are things that things that I learn from and try to incorporate into my videos to make my videos better. So. As as much as I want to be like, oh, this is terrible. Like the first videos that I put on YouTube were like very cheap versions of E News, trying to recreate an Entertainment Tonight sort of thing for sneakers. So I mean, who am I really to judge David? I guess. I mean, and I think that's that's how everything is. You know, to Tiffany's point, we it's a human thing to learn, you know, from others that have already done this type of stuff and. The the best things come from the people that are kind of pushing that to the next level, right? You know,、uh, you know, and and the mags is a great example, right? Recreating the originals is like okay, that's cool, but why not have the power lacing system? Like the technology is there to where we could make this as a as humans, right? To get it there, where in you know eighty five or whatever it was. I doubt that I doubt that we were even near that, you know, from a from a, a from a、right. technology standpoint. But I do think that unless you wanted to carry a car battery, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>、um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of stuff out right now that is that is a lot like this too. I I, I agree a lot. You know, a lot of what you were saying about. You know the kind of need to create their own brands. Like I think that's only going to be good for everyone, right? And and you know even like looking at like production or manufacturing stuff. You know Kanye talking about bringing easy production to Chicago in the future. All of that stuff to me is is good because one thing that I think as a just I'm generalizing a lot here, but. One thing I think hurts sneakers more than anything is the lack of people that get to be involved in, you know, the nitty gritty of like production or or whatever piece of a business that you want to look at. Right? You could say the same thing about the marketing side, where if there's only six people in your marketing team, and you know, there's twenty people in the in the company that have no idea or no way to to understand what you're actually doing with things, I think that this Opens up to do much more for,、um, you know, for, opens up for learning for people to learn a lot more about what's going on、um, by just being involved in all the different aspects of the business. Agreed, agreed, one hundred percent. I I love it、um, on one side, but I hate it on the other. So I guess 
I'll leave this one up to the audience. What do you guys think? You guys let us know. What do you think? Is David doing something good for the culture that he's creating his own sneaker brand, even though he started out doing replicas? Or are y'all mad that he sold replicas and sold Yeezys uh, and made 11 different versions? I think, you know, I think the biggest thing with me when it comes to the counterfeit sneakers is it's one thing to make a counterfeit or a replica sneaker but it's another thing to try and sell it as authentic um i think if if it's a replica or if it's counterfeit selling it as a replica or uh or, well i guess you wouldn't sell it as a counterfeit but selling it as a replica of a yeezy and being upfront and honest about that i think that's one thing and I would almost say I'm cool with that and allow people to make their own decisions. But when you sell it to try and fool people and make them think that it is the real thing, I think that's when it becomes a bigger issue. Yeah. Is that, am I kind of off base there? No, I totally, I totally agree with you because like the craft of making a shoe is no joke. And some people, you know, try to replicate a shoe, not to sell it, but to show how they can replicate such a difficult craft. Um, and that I, mm. I think that's totally fine. You know, like if they can find similar materials and just make it of really high quality and they post it on Instagram, a shoe that they already made, you know, but they're not selling like have at it. I mean, that shows incredible skill. Uh, I'm trying to think of another like industry to compare it to or another kind of craft. But in the world today, a lot of people like to make things and like making shoes is an effort you know it takes a bunch of learning and a bunch of trial and error so i think having those skills especially especially if you want to be a a footwear designer or be in the industry and you can replicate a shoe uh that's that's a great skill set to have obviously don't sell them because you're taking money away from the original designer and you wouldn't appreciate that or you're taking money away from the original brand that put the effort and money into it and even if they are, you know, huge brands like Nike or Adidas or Puma, they still they've they've earned that they've they've put right. the effort in uh, to have their people make that product. It, so yeah, yeah, it re- it reminds me of it reminds me of museums. I don't uh, I think I talked to you guys about this before, but in museums, most of the bones you see at museums aren't actual bones. They're what they call replicas. They don't like to call them fake or counterfeit. They're uh, actually replica bones, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is just because uh, how heavy bones are, so they it would be almost impossible for them to suspend them the way that they do, uh, just because of the weight of some of the bones. And also, these are like one of a kind sort of bones that they're not going to. If if it, if they put up the real bones in any one museum, and no other museum would be able to get like the Tyrannosaurus or the Triceratops. So they make these replicas wow. that look ju- they look that look just like them uh, in order for other museums to be able to have that sort of stuff on display. Now, that's not, not that everything you see in a museum is a replica, but a lot of it is. And they actually tell you that at the museum, but most people just don't pay attention mm-hmm. to the signs. If you look at the signs at a museum, they actually admit that they're, uh, that they're replica bones and that they're not the authentic bones that they've pulled from the earth, which just blew my <laughs> mind when i found that out yeah like i feel like i'm just learning this now like really <laughs> i mean i think dang yeah it's, it's I, pretty I, crazy I mean, it's like the moon's not real <laughs> 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 I, 
Oh, wait, maybe it's not. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, now you guys are going too far. All right, Jacques's got to go up there and see right. if it is. Yeah, all right, you guys are taking this too far. All right, moving on. Uh, guys, we start, when you start questioning space, things got to go on. Uh, in, to end the show on a high note, um, there was a woman awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics. She was a part of a trio, and um, I'm going to say this had to do with space, although it probably had nothing to do with space, but it was – they won for work on lasers and when i think of lasers i obviously think of battles happening in space so that's where my mind goes um obviously uh it says uh became the first woman in 55 years and the third ever to win the nobel prize in physics sharing it with an american scientist and another from france for their work in laser physics again laser physics that sounds like space battles to me in my mind so uh i'm going to keep it there uh, this is, let me see, The I, I should probably read more before I just totally make it seem like this woman is in space fighting battles. Uh, but it looks like, um, 96, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, well, you know what? I don't think it specifies here. So I am going to go with space battles. No, she did. Um, she did so optical tweezers doing. that can grab tiny Wait, particles sh- yeah. such as virus without damaging them. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah it's not space battles well slash uh what's that sword in star wars what's that called laser lightsaber beam? yes no lightsaber L- laser beam. lightsabers <laughs> <laughs> i cannot watch star wars well, i she- fall asleep every time i don't know that's why i can't remember oh man well i'll say this I'll say this. She described herself as a laser jock. And if you call yourself a laser jock, you probably have something to do with space battles. And so I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at that. So big shout out to Donna Strickland. I think that's awesome. Congratulations. And uh, let me know when I can go on the spaceship. I will gladly fire off the first laser just in case you need someone to do it for you. (laughs) With with that being said, I want to thank you guys listening to the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade. You can find us online at Outside Pods. If for some reason you want to look me up, um, I don't know why you would want to do that. You can find me at Cousteau, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. And that's on the YouTubes. But really, if you're going to look someone up, if you want to find out some more information, if you feel like you want someone to have a positive impact on your life, you should definitely look up Nick and Tiffany. So, Nick, let them know where they can find. Uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms. And you can also check out uh, Sneaker History at Sneaker History on all platforms. But really, I think... uh, Tiffany is the one you should be following and learning from because that's really why we're both here even though Jacques now wants to go to space for some reason I don't know (laughs) I want to see an unboxing in space like how are you going to do that plan that why don't you video that I'm trying to trust me I'm trying to (laughs) Uh, I'm Tiffany Beers you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at T-I-F-F-A-N-Y B-E-E-R-S outside the box cast you can find us at outside pods on twitter and instagram if you want to connect with us if you want to talk to us if you want to give us feedback or if there's something that you want us to talk about we're here and again no one has put in for relationship advice which is really really disappointing because i'm telling you guys we do it all here and uh with that being said we'll get out of here we'll talk to you guys next week and donna i know you won that nobel prize but again holler at your boy when it comes to those space lasers all right you guys take it easy peace yeah. <laughs>